This episode of Recovery is Possible is brought to you by Retreat Behavioral Health, where there are endless possibilities for recovery. Retreat provides quality care at their leading mental health and substance use treatment centers, which are designed to offer patients truly personalized and comprehensive programs that are tailored to their needs. Retreat Substance Use and Mental Health Treatment Centers in Palm Beach County, Florida, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and New Haven, Connecticut do everything in their power to ensure that patients receive the highest quality treatment in a safe and comfortable setting. Reach out today at RetreatBehavioralHealth.com or call at 855-802-6600 for more information. Hey everybody, this is Mike Van Meter and welcome to Recovery is Possible. And uh, we are very excited today to have on the program Hillary Phelps. Now you might remember Hillary was on this podcast about a year ago and we were talking to her about a lot of the work that she's involved in. She told us her story, very, very powerful story. And if you haven't had a chance, go back and listen to that podcast. And uh, over this last year, Hillary and I have talked about some of the work that she was planning on doing and a year makes a big, big difference, you know, because we, we talk about the things that we want to do. We plan for those things. And then, uh, you know, in recovery, we have a chance to complete those things. And that's one of the gifts of recovery is being able to plan out ahead, uh, envision your goals and your dreams and then achieve them. And one of the things that she did was work on uh, a coaching program. And uh, before we get her in to explain what she has been doing, I do want to point out that there are many, many, many different uh, avenues in recovery. There's a lot of programs that are available to you. And that's one of the things I do now in my job is talk to the patients about the resources that are available to them. You know, you can see therapists, you can go to treatment, you can do outpatient, you can do sober living, you can uh, all sorts of different, there's like 600 various uh, programs that you can be involved in. And one of the many resources is coaching. And we're going to talk about what that is uh, and what that entails and, you know, why would you want to go that path if uh, if that's something that uh, you've looked into? And Hillary's going to tell us all about that. And she's a, a great friend, great guest. And I want her to tell you exactly what this is all about. And uh, with that, Hillary, welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you. Yeah, it's been Thank a little while, huh? Me. It's been a little while. Yeah, catching well, up a little bit of what you're doing. You've been busy. I've been busy. I know. It's like... You know, that's the beauty and the benefit of recovery, right, too, is that we get to do all these really wonderful things that Absolutely. maybe we just used to talk about in the past, you know. Well, tell us what you've yeah. been up to. Get us caught up on this last year. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, so the last year, I, well, first, you know, I think I shared this in my first one, you know, when I was when I was younger, I was an information seeker, and I still am. I love learning. I love acquiring knowledge. I love using knowledge. And so throughout, you know, I've been, um, I had to think about that, 16 years sober, Um and I've had a different, you know, a lot of modalities. Like I, I think I shared on my first one, you know, I went to treatment. 12 steps were a huge part of my um, recovery. Um, it was a huge, the foundation of my sobriety. Um, but I also used a lot of other things like meditation and breath work and um, mindfulness and yoga, you know, things like that coaching. I've worked with a couple of coaches. And so those are really important for me and, um, I don't know, people joke and they say, you know, sobriety 2.0, sobriety 4.0, you know, you get sober, then we get to do all these wonderful things of just continuously being better humans. Um, 
And so last year I went through a, it's a holistic coaching program and it's um, emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical. And so it's taking all four of those bodies into, you know, understanding that those four things and those four components make up people, you know? And so me focusing on my emotional health, my physical health, my mental health, and my spiritual health, um, I found have been really beneficial and helpful for me becoming the best person that I can be first for myself and then second for others. And so I went through a really beautiful um, program and I worked um, and I got certified to do coaching. And so it's not, you know, sober specific, but what I really wanted to do is I found that as a woman, I've gone through, and you know, men too, but you know, my experience as a woman has been that I've gone through these transitions in life. You know, sobriety was one, um, having a child was another, getting a divorce was another. You know, and we have these kind of transitions and iterations where we have the opportunity to become better. And um, with all those opportunities, I kind of, you know, we talk about in the program peeling that onion. You know, re- you know, peeling that back and. Um, exposing the person that we are and, and, you know, sometimes it feels really raw. And so for me, um, those opportunities were growth moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, you know, leaned on some coaches there and um, I wanted to be able to lend that support and be that person for women who are also experiencing any kind of transition. Um and transition can be anything, right? Like it could be, you know, having a child, like what does that look like? That changes our life. It transitions us into another, you know, a, a different kind of person, um, you know, transitioning from work. I mean, you know, working a nine to five into entrepreneurship, you know, that what does that yeah. look like? Um, getting sober, going through a divorce, um, you know, maybe all the children have left for college. Like what now? Because as women, if in my experience, again, in my opinion, I feel like some of us, um, you know, self-sacrifice for our children or for our partners or for our career or whatever that is. And what I really wanted to do is have women come home to themselves. You know, what is it that I like? What does my voice say? Um, I want to honor that inner person that maybe I've ignored for a little while or, you know, haven't paid as much attention to. And I really want to get back to her. Yeah. And that I really like, uh, I, I tell you, that's a very, very good point. And I think a lot of people don't uh, dwell a whole lot on a point that you just made there and that in life we go through stages and, and in recovery, mm-hmm. we go through change, mm-hmm. changes or chapters, mm-hmm. if you will, because, um, you know, it, it, you said 16 years uh, this year and, you know, I'm in 12 years or almost 12 years mm-hmm. of recovery and your recovery after that amount of time doesn't look quite the same as it does in that first year and mm-hmm. and those transitions that you go through in the stages and and I you, you just highlighted something else too and that is that in recovery we start to look at things that we ignored or weren't aware of you I think mm-hmm. that's a lot of what recovery is I think recovery is just you know you've been so numb from alcohol or drugs whatever whatever substance you were using when you came in you mm-hmm. weren't aware of many talents that you had ambition you know before we came on the air you and i were talking about some of the things things that we're involved in and uh it's a lot you and i both are doing a lot but you know what that's the beauty mm-hmm. of recovery is you can do those things and um but i think it's with, with women in particular and i know that that's a, a passion of yours working specifically with women uh, because women do have uh, a different journey i think because there are some expectations now you correct me if i'm wrong on this i'm not a woman you but uh, you know I'm, I'm married and i know that my, my 
my wife uh, feels ex- certain expectations on her, uh, both from the mm-hmm. family and society and at work and things like that. And it can be difficult. Um, and I know that that's one of the reasons what prompted you and maybe maybe go back let's go back to the beginning why what made you want to go into coaching and what is your focal point now and what is it you're trying to do with way because it sounds like now you correct me if i'm wrong it sounds like your clientele is focused with on women correct correct mm-hmm. yeah and can so you walk I us through it, that a little bit yeah um you know so first when i was going through a transitional point in my life i was um exiting um, a marriage and and I found that my everybody else's voice had kind of become louder than my own. I'd let other people's um, opinions and thoughts kind of take over and I realized I wasn't really tuning into my own intuition and inner voice. And I think women are so powerfully intuitive um, you know and we can kind of shut that down based on society or family or work or whatever fill in the blank. Um, that we can kind of shut that down and say like, okay, well, these other people, and that's what I had found. I had found that I'd let other people's voices be louder and let them make decisions. And, you know, what I realized was um, I had my own feelings and thoughts and, and joys and all of these things. And so when I was transitioning out of that, exiting that marriage and kind of finding my footing, I worked with this really powerful coach that, you know, I don't believe in coincidences. I think God, spirit, universe, you know, whatever it is, you know, in the program, we say higher power in those, whatever it is that we believe in, I believe that they put people and things in your life when you need them the most. And I was introduced to this woman and, um, you know, I remember thinking like, I, I don't understand. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I just need some support. You know, I'm really struggling right now. Um, and I started working with her. And the six months I worked with her, I tell her every day, I'm like, you saved my life. And I say that because, you know, I would never have been able to take this next step up into, you know, healing and and, and being better if I hadn't gotten sober. So that was my first step. But working with her really allowed me to figure out what it was that I wanted. Um and that was really powerful. And and I wanted to be able to be that person for other women who were struggling because I look back now, you know, it's kind of like you look at the behaviors of when you were drinking and you're like, oh my gosh, why, you know, what do you mean I drank until I blacked out? Or, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that and then got into a car. You know, like those things, they don't make sense now because we know better. And now I can look back on things that I was doing at, you know, 10 years, 12 years of sobriety. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was speaking to myself that way. Or I can't believe that I, um, you know, wasn't as as mindful of my words towards others as I am today. And so it's just kind of that for me, it was that next evolution of healing. Um, And that was really important for me to be able to give back because I know how alone and how lonely, which are two separate things, you know, I felt in that process and having somebody, you know, it's like a sponsor almost on my side who um, really worked with me when I was struggling and raw was was powerful and helpful. And, and I tell her, I'm like, you saved my life. And she's like, you saved yourself. Right. And so, um, like you said, I believe women have a different set of expectations <laughs> in society. I also think that, you know, women in recovery is in, I shared this, I think on ours too, is that we carry a lot of that shame. You know, I think it manifests in men as anger and my experience is manifests as men in anger and or volatility and as women, it manifests in shame. And so being able to release that shame and for, have forgiveness of self was such a powerful tool for me. Um, 
to be able to show up more present in my relationship with my son and my relationship with friends and my family um, in my work. And so I just really, you know, we talk in the program, pay it forward. I really wanted to be able to give back that powerful experience that I had to other women. Um, and so I called it, so the program, so I, I called it the right room because what I realized was it, you know, for the longest time, I felt like I was wrong. I felt like my voice was wrong. I felt like the relationship I was in was informing me that anything I did and what I said was not right, you know. And so, and if I didn't conform to this, then I was wrong. And actually, what I realized was that my voice wasn't wrong. I was just in the wrong room. And so, oh, what I wanted to, nice. right? Yeah. And so, what I wanted to offer women is the ability to find themselves in the right room, right? To find their voice. And it's not about, um, I mean, it's about surrounding yourself with people that see you for who you are. And that's really hard. And I feel like people in that kind of 10 to 15 years sometimes of sobriety go through that period of, you know, in the beginning, it's it's very regimented and like, yeah. you know, 12 steps and meetings and like, this is what you do because you don't want to fucking die, right? Like, excuse me, like you don't, <laughs> right? Like, you don't you'll do, I mean, I did whatever anybody told me to do because yeah. I did not want to drink. I did not want to die. I knew what that looked like for me and that wasn't an option. So I was like, you tell me where to go, what to be, who, what I'll do whatever. I just don't want to go back out and drink, use drugs, get behind the wheel of a car, kill her. Like, I don't want to do any of that. And so, you know, then you kind of get a little bit of time and we start to see like, okay, what's like now what? Like now I want to start adding in maybe some other things, you know, this is where for me that outside community outside of the rooms of, um, of the 12 steps and outside of people, you know, who were, um, sober started to come in and they started to find friends who weren't sober, but weren't drunks like me, you know, maybe they had, they were like those people, you know, that we talk about that have like one glass of wine and you're like, huh? Or, you know, we call them the the normies. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> what do I don't understand this, you know? So, and I started to find, you know, women like that who were, um, who, yeah, normies, <laughs> who were, you know, in the program and who were normies, and and that was, and that was really powerful, you know. And I found that having community is just one of the best things I can do. Is surrounding yeah. yourself with people who support you for who you are, and that's the idea of being in the right room. Yeah, yeah, I think that's so powerful because when we're we're drinking or drugging, as I mentioned earlier, you are really hiding what your talents, your abilities, whatever you have, and we all have that. Every everybody mm-hmm. has everybody has something that they bring to the table for the community, mm-hmm. society, for their family, and drinking mm-hmm. and drugging uh, takes that away. It, did, well, it doesn't take it away; it covers it up. I'll put it that way. And and it sounds like what you're doing is helping people uncover that and then get into the right room, as you, as you mentioned. You know, I tell patients this all the time, you know, at the hospital, you know, because they'll say to me, and I'll just take AA, for example, and, and, and I'll, everybody out there listening understand there's a lot of programs. I'm not promoting uh-huh. any program. I'm just I'm just yeah. using an example here. Uh, let's say you go to an AA meeting. You say, oh, I, 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 don't, I went to a meeting I didn't like, or I went to a few meetings and I didn't like them. Well, you got to understand, though, and I tell the patients, well, then go to another meeting. Yeah. Even like that would go to another meeting. Eventually, you're going to find a group of people that you just, for whatever reason, you connect with. It could be mm-hmm. the interests. It could be the topics, the format. 
the personalities, you know, a lot of times it's it's something we can't put our finger on. You're just like, I feel comfortable in this group. and But that expands beyond 12-step meetings. That's just even in your community, yeah. you know, being around, because you, like you just talked about, you know, being in a, a bad relationship or being uh, with a group of people that bring you down, you know, you, and I think that you have to ask yourself, and, and you're better suited to answer this than I am or, or explain this, that you know, in our lives, if you really look back at your life, I, lives, I think a lot of us stay in relationships with others that are not healthy on mm-hmm. a lot of levels. You know, mm-hmm. we stay with people that are not edifying us, that are not building us up, that are not helping us become the person that we could be. And mm-hmm. part of recovery is being able to sort that out and being able to realize, you know, like, is this relationship helping me or hurting me? And yeah. uh, if, if it's hurting me, why am I here? And and there's and that now you get into the psychology of it. The, there's a there's a lot of reasons why people stay in these bad relationships and why some people continue to find bad relationships. Um, right. You know, and but that's the stuff we got to work on. Yeah, it goes back to those limiting beliefs. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve it, right? And so that is where kind of that, like that coaching com- comes back to pointing. It's like, okay, well, why do you feel like you're not worth it? Or okay, what is it about that? And sometimes at the end of the day, most of everything goes back to, I'm not good enough. Everybody's kind of deep-seated fear is that I'm not good enough in this, I'm not good enough at that, I don't deserve this, I don't, right? It's that limiting belief that we're not enough. And so it's working on that. It's like, well, why do you feel like you're not enough? And it's just continuously digging, right? And once we've found that love for self, then we can answer those questions of, wait, why am I in this relationship? Why am I allowing my, you know, whatever, to talk to me, whomever, you know, to talk to me that way. Or wait, why am I in a job that I don't love? I've been here for 10 years and it doesn't fulfill me anymore. Yeah. You know, it goes back to not being enough. And so once we can tap into that feeling of why we feel like we're not enough and we can come to that place of self-love, then we can answer those questions. Like, why am I staying in this relationship when I'm not valued or I don't feel loved or I don't feel supported or why am I in this job that I've been in for 10 years and I don't like it? I wake up every morning miserable and I don't find joy in the work that I'm doing. And we have then the option because we're responsible. We are 100% responsible, you know, for the good and the bad in our life. You know, so what I found is that everything comes back to those limiting beliefs, like the limiting beliefs that we're not enough. And at the end of the day, a lot of those enoughness, not being enoughness is what a lot of people are feeling. And so being able to tap into that and finding that love and that, um, that self-compassion and those then we're able once we kind of find that then we're able to answer the questions like why am I staying in this you know toxic relationship or why am I staying in this job that I don't like you know I've been here for 10 years so I just got to stick it out and it's like but if every day it's not bringing you joy that's your responsibility and your choice right and um you know someone said to me it's so spot on that we are 100% 100% responsible for the good and the bad in our life because we get to choose, right? So we get to choose whether to stay or we get to choose whether to go. And sometimes that going is terrifying because it's that fear of the unknown, you know, but we have a choice and that feels really empowering. Um, you know, and it does, yeah, so it does. Get- but, and let me ask you this because I, I know your, your focus clientele and you you can tell us a bit more about that but your clientele focuses on women and let's address this for a second because we know you were talking about expectations for women and sometimes there are you know we'd like to think that there aren't but there are particularly let's say you're a, a single mom right let's say you're a single mom and you uh 
you know, you hate your job or you're in a relationship that is abusive or you know, whatever the situation may be. And you're thinking, but I don't want to be here. And I know that I don't want to be here, but I'm a single mom and I got a kid. And then reality comes in. I don't like this job, but I got to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it becomes, mm-hmm. it becomes difficult, right? I mean, sometimes, you know, I, we can't just jump out like maybe you're halfway through a government career and you're just miserable but you know yeah but i'm halfway through and i gotta get to retirement and um it becomes complicated doesn't it it becomes complicated and then that's a choice right because we still have the power to choose we can say like look i'm gonna get a great you know package at the end of this that's more important to me so i'm gonna stay right so we have the power to choose that whether we say like i'm miserable and at the end of the day joy and happiness and i want to hit my you know, my feet hit the ground in the morning. I want to wake up with like a passion for what I'm doing or I'm choosing to stay because, you know, I'm going to get a great exit pass, whatever that, you know, that the other choice is, but we get to choose. And that's the power in seeing that ability to choose is also really empowering because then we are making the choice. Someone's not making it for us. And so sometimes it's just shifting that mindset too of knowing I do get to choose, but yeah, you're right. I mean, look, when I, when I left my marriage, I had no job. I'd spent my savings on my divorce lawyer. Like, and I moved and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I literally was, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to give it a go. Worst case scenario. I'm going to pack up my son and we're going to move in with my dad. Yeah. You know, but it was like, but I'm going to go for this. I'm just going to, and there's also that, you know, something that I've been sitting to is that somatic, like the nervous system, like your nervous yeah. system is only able to handle the good, it's able to handle things to the level at which you heal it. And so when I left my marriage, I got sick. I, my nervous system was so used to that spiked level of cortisol um, and that fight or flight walking on eggshells. I'd gotten to the point where I was just terrified every day. And so yeah. when I was on my own, excuse me, <laughs> it took my body a little bit of time to come back to that safe space. Once I was there, I was able to then start working on, you know, my subconscious, my automatic nervous system, like that fight or flight. And then once I, so a lot of work that I've done too, is that embodiment, right? Connecting the head to the body, to the soul, because your head can look around and say, I'm in a safe space right now, but your body is still super triggered by the automatic nervous system and the subconscious beliefs that no, I'm not at any minute. Someone's going to come through the door and it's going to be, threatening right and so what that that like being present in the moment and you know keep being aware of what my body is telling me being aware of my mind is telling me and connecting the two of them is also a tremendous amount of work but that was something that was really helpful in me starting to feel safe and be able to then kind of accept the good accept the information um and start being able to put that like one foot in front of the other to make those changes as well. But without healing that, I wouldn't have been able to do that either. Like it's a lot of work, right? We're humans and we carry a lot of trauma and we carry a lot of stress and we carry things that, and you know this, I think I probably talked to this way better than I, but a lot of, I mean, there are people that are not veterans that are walking around with PTSD based on things that happened in their life. Oh yeah. You know, and and that informs our reactions. That informs how we treat other people. That informs how we raise our children. And um, and that's that's a crisis. I mean, you and I have talked about this: the mental health crisis. Like, there's so many people that need, you know, that need help, and we're here to help them. Like, <laughs> yeah, and no, you're you're absolutely right. And 
you know, the fact is that when it comes to recovery programs that we have, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. just just about everybody I know needs to be in recovery of one form or another because we all Amen. have yeah. we all have our traumas. We ha- all have yeah. uh, everybody. I mean, where I work right now in the hospital. Um, the the just the sea of misery in the sea of trauma that comes into our unit every single day is just yeah. tremendous, and we as a society are really promoting the unhealthy ways of dealing with it. I mean, you because we talk about drugs and alcohol in this program quite a bit, but that's not mm-hmm. those are not the only manifestations. You know, pornography, uh, gambling. Mm-hmm. gaming, mm-hmm. relationships, um, food, mm-hmm. whether it's too much or too little, or, I mean, you, you could go on and on and work, mm-hmm. you know, work can become those things. And, uh, in, in, in a lot of ways in our society, we kind of promote these things, you know, look at the, you know, I'm not to, to go down a rabbit hole, but, uh, you know, legalization of marijuana and we think, Oh, well, that's, that's mm-hmm. a, a good thing. Well, actually it's not. And we, we could talk about that. And so now that's just another way for people to tune out and, and they're, and we're always looking for that answer outside of ourselves, you know, some sort of a chemical right. or a process that's going to help us uh, n- not be able to connect with other human beings. But, you know, you're, this new venture that you have started in coaching, um, you've addressed that. And I remember a year ago when you and I were, when we first met and we were talking about this, this was a dream at your time. You're like, hey, I'm going to, I remember having that conversation. You said, hey, I'm going to go into coaching. And I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. And and now you've mm-hmm. done it. So, uh what is, tell us a bit about what is it that you're doing right now? Um, and, uh, you, you know, why would, uh, explain to us, why would somebody choose to, to go into a coaching program? Because going into therapy, now, uh, and this is what the people listening to this need to know. There are a lot of resources out there to help you on your recovery journey, a lot. Mm-hmm. You can go to inpatient mm-hmm. treatment. You go to outpatient treatment. You can get a therapist. You can find uh, a, a licensed counselor. You can find a coach, which is what we're focusing on today. Uh, why a coach? Why would somebody go to a coach? Um as opposed to going in and hiring a therapist. Um, and what is that difference? Maybe explain that a little bit. Yeah, in my experience, I mean, look, and I've, I've worked with both, therapist to coach. You know, I've had both at the same time. Um, you know, what I found as a therapist, in my experience, the therapist focuses on kind of like what happened, like let's process the past um, so we don't repeat it. And the coach really focuses on the present and how we're going to get those goals, you know, achieve the goals in the life that you want moving forward. And so a coach is someone that also keeps you accountable, you know, and I know for myself, like accountability was so important. That was one of the reasons when I went to treatment, um, like how many meetings did you go to? And look, I know myself, I wouldn't have gone to any meetings if nobody was asking me. And so for me, that accountability <laughs> piece was, I mean, you know, it's like if I wasn't being, you know, cause I was outpatient. And so I went, we went in on Monday. So like, how many meetings did you go to? And some people are like, none. I'm like, I went to two, you know, cause that was just my personality. And I wanted to be able to, I was not going to be the person that went in and said, I didn't go to any, I was too busy or I was too tired or I was too whatever. And so, um, and so for, you know, for, with, with my program, the program that I have, like, I really wanted to be accessible to women all the time. And so part of that mm. program is that high touch bespoke, like you have access to me. I mean, let me be clear. You have access 24 hours a day. I don't answer 24 hours a day because I also have boundaries and limitations where mm-hmm. I spend that time with my son, with my partner, with my loved ones, like at the end of the day, like that's my time. So between eight and five, I will text you, but you know, within one hour because I could be with a client. I could mm-hmm. be like, you know, so I don't text when I'm with another client, but within an hour, I will text you back. You have the ability to call me during in between sessions. So it's a weekly session. 
it's on Zoom. Um, and we use different modalities. We use some somatic work. We use breath work. We use um, meditation, mindfulness, yoga. So whatever we have, all, you know, I, because I have all of those tools and modalities, mm-hmm. um, I'm able to incorporate those into my program with women. And look, there's also a lot of life experience in Mm-hmm. I mean, good or bad, right? You know, like I got sober. I went through a divorce. I've lost a parent. I'm a single mom. I have a child, you know, so I have some of these. I've gone from, you know, working in an office to entrepreneurship. So I have those life experiences also where I've walked through it. So it's not just a hypothetical like, well, if you want to do this, I would suggest this. It's like, this is what I did. This, You know, it's the same thing as getting sober. It's the power of suggestion and being able to say, I've walked this path. Mm-hmm. This is what I've done. And this is how I can, you know, recommend or inform you um, and support you moving forward on your journey as well. And so it's really about that walking like next to somebody. It's, you know, really no different than recovery in the beginning is having a sponsor and, um, and just having somebody be like, okay, this is what I've done. Okay, let's work on this. And so we have a lot of, you know, inner child healing, shadow work. And so there's just a lot of things that I can work with women on based on the needs that they have. Yeah, and that's so powerful because uh, let me frame this here for a second. Like women are also self. Oh, go yeah, ahead. Doesn't say women also self-sacrifice a lot. Like we carry this metaphorical tray through life, and we're like, "Oh, okay, children, you need that pilot on. Okay, partner, you need that pilot on. Okay, yeah, I'll just carry all of it. I'll do it right." And this Eve Rodsky calls it invisible labor of women, and we'll redo everything from buy the clothes for the child to sign the permission slips, and it doesn't seem like a lot, but a little mm-hmm. bit over a long period of time really adds up. And so women are carrying this invisible labor. We're carrying all of this stuff, and we yeah. don't always ask for help. And so when it comes to women, I mean. Sometimes we just need someone to listen to us, you know, that it's just a safe space. There's no judgment. It's not a partner or a best friend or, you know, maybe somebody's not understanding the sobriety journey that we're going through or the divorce is really challenging and nobody's understanding it. It's like that safe space that we're giving women to share openly, honestly, and show up exactly how they are, be accepted and loved in the present moment. Yeah, no, and no, that's a very, very good judgment. point. And I'll tell you something else too. I've had um, some discussions lately with uh, patients because I think you highlighted a point because you're talking. I think one of the things that's a little different with, uh, and, and just for the for the listeners here, um, I, I think it's mm-hmm. an important thing for people to understand when that you you go out and you look for resources, right? When mm-hmm. when somebody becomes a licensed therapist, right, and you're licensed mm-hmm. by the state, that's great. Okay, because there's certain standards that you have to meet. However, that also places certain limitations on that therapist, and and it's important for people to understand. For example, for example, um, <clears throat> a therapist can become can be very ge- like a generalist. Well, like when you go into a treatment center, right? Let's say you go into an inpatient treatment center. Um, when somebody's a therapist, you may as a patient. You know, if you're going in there for drugs or alcohol, you may be assuming that every therapist that you're working with is a specialist in drugs and alcohol, if that's what took you into that treatment center. That is actually not the case. Many of the therapists uh, don't have a whole lot of experience with drugs and alcohol at all. They might be uh, mm-hmm. licensed in family uh, family therapy or maybe a social worker, you know, because you, you can mm-hmm. still do, in the state of Virginia, where I live and you live, uh, you, you can become licensed to uh, 
work with people for drugs and alcohol, but not be, you know, specifically trained in that area. So that's something to consider right there. The other thing is there may be limitations on what they can uh, promote and and say to you, for example, uh, when it comes to, let's say I'm a big AA guy. Well, I can't overtly promote one program, even though I believe that it's the mm-hmm. most effective program out there. So there's those limitations. I think coaching sort of takes that out. Also coaching, um, it, like if I'm talking to somebody like you, you be, can become highly specialized in that particular area. And uh, and maybe that, that area that you're specialized in is really what I'm struggling with. And I think that that's important because I know that when I came into recovery, I found, you know, like after a while of being in recovery, I was finding that many things therapists I work with actually did not know a whole lot about recovery. Was that your experience? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I've had a fortune. I've worked with a therapist that was in recovery for like 30 years. And so that was great. Um, but in my experience, and I'm going to say as you, I find that a lot of medical professionals are not as trained or knowledgeable in addiction medicine or recovery as I would hope. Or like, um, you know, I mean, be many are have very little yeah. training, very little training. Yeah. You might have a, you might have six months in AA, actually know more, much more about addiction than they do. Yeah. And not only that, there's a bias. I found there's also a bias. You know, they're kind of like get your shit together, and you're like, well, I'm sorry, you're a medical doctor. What do you mean get your shit together? Like, you know what I mean? Because in, in, you're like, in, oh, that's in, it. I wish you would have told me that a year ago. Yeah, Holy cow! I, yeah, exactly. Well, I wish it was that easy, but thank you. You know, and it's also like, and I think the medical profession, it, it, a lot of it, right? It's that idea of like, take a pill, you'll be better, right? And the idea of coaching and therapy is getting to the root of it, right? Like figuring out why, so you don't continue to repeat that pattern moving forward, or you don't continuously have those thoughts that inform your decisions as you continue to go through life. Like, let's look at why versus like let's slap a band-aid on it and get you back out there you know and i feel like that's kind of the difference in a lot of again just my opinion yeah no and and i think that that experience i think that experience is moving forward and and if if i can give some advice and and i'll get your thoughts on this if i can give some advice to anybody out there listening to this podcast that is struggling and is trying to get well trying to get well and i will tell you in my own journey and recovery i had many years of relapsing and you know uh Mm -hmm. uh, by the by the time i came into recovery i actually knew a fair amount about recovery but i wasn't doing what I'm about to explain to you and, and, and see, and maybe you can relate to this because, you know, you're, you're an athlete, uh, a very accomplished athlete, and maybe you can relate to this example. So I was listening to another podcast, uh, about a month and a half ago. And the, this the guy, he's a nutritionist. He's being interviewed, right? And when I say nutritionist, he's mm-hmm. uh, he's working with elites, you know, NFL players, uh, Olympic athletes, you know, things like that. So he's a nutritionist coach, right? And he's being interviewed. And the person interviewing him says, hey, is it not true that 95% of all diets don't work? So that's the question given to this guy. And his okay. answer, I thought, was very interesting. And I thought I had a real uh, recovery uh, uh, response or a relation. There's a relationship between what he was talking about and, and recovery. He said to the interviewer, um, well, I, I really don't like how you pose the question. He said, there's another way of looking at that. He said, you asked, you said 95% of all diets don't work. And he said, there's another way of looking at that. And that is that 5% do. And he said, mm, here's the thing. Yeah, yeah. And he said, here's the thing. You're focused on the 95% that are not having success. I'm focused on the 5% that are having success. Because the fact is, mm-hmm. in the nutrition and diet world, most of the people actually know what they need to do. 
You know, this isn't rocket science. It's not. He said, but that 5% that do have success actually do what they know they need to do. And, and, And I thought about that because in recovery, in the treatment center where I work, most patients that actually come in, unless they're brand new, unless it's their first treatment episode and they've never been exposed to anything, and we do get those people, but not many, most of them actually know, if I was to ask the patient, what should you do to get sober? Most of the patients actually rattle off the right information. So you're left to conclude, Mm -hmm. just like this guy, it is, it's not that you don't know, it's that you're not doing what you know. And so Mm -hmm. with coaching, like with what you're doing, the experience that you have, right? The experience Mm -hmm. that you have Mm -hmm. and the success Mm -hmm. in navigating being a single mom, going through divorce, uh, searching for a job, going through a death and all those things. You've been through that and you've stayed sober through that. So as far as I'm concerned, you are the elite athlete. If I'm coming into recovery, right? Uh, yeah. Like for example, you you have a very powerful swim background, right? You you have been right. you have been one of the elite swimmers in in the nation, right? You're like in that top one percent of all swimmers in the world. So if Mike, if mm-hmm. I want to go learn how to swim, I'm coming to you, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not going to spend a summer with you, you teaching me how to swim and go, well, you know what? Thanks, Hillary. Thanks. Thanks for all that. But I have my own, you know what? I have my own way. See, like this doggy style that I do, that works pretty well for me, yeah, right? It's more effective right? than that. You're, yeah, yeah. See, now, now in that scenario, we, we laugh about it. We go, well, that's silly, right? Oh, yeah. Why would I go to Hillary Phelps and then ignore everything she told me about swimming? That sounds silly. But in recovery, we do that every single, I see it every single day. You, yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I come to somebody like you and ask you about recovery and you tell me what you did mm-hmm. in recovery. And then I go, yeah, but I got my own way. Now I know you see that in recovery meetings too, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and but look, that's what I mean, you bring is that on, experience. Right? Is that you, there are different ways to do it. And I love that you said that in the beginning, like there are different ways, right? It's kind of like interviewing for job or dating or whatever it is. Like you're going to find things you're going to be like, that sucks. Nope. I'm not going back there. Nope. Didn't like that boss. Like whatever it is. But then you're going to find things that you like. So some of it is trial, you know, or going to meetings you don't like. Like you're going to go into meetings that like, I didn't like that one, not going back. Or I didn't like that yoga class. And so some of it's trial and error. But yes, you're right. If you're seeking out expertise or help from somebody um, and you're just like, I don't like it. I think there's a difference. I don't like it versus I'm not willing to try it. Right. There's uh, kind good of point. Yep. Things, right. Because I can say like, I don't like that idea, but I'm going to try it based on your experience because it looks like you've had success in whatever it is I want to do. So I'm going to trust you enough to at least try it out. Right. And I think that's the difference. And like yeah. people, you know, it's like taking that step from, I don't like it to, you know what, I'm willing to try anything. And that's where I was, you know, that, that desperation. When I first got sober, I was willing to try anything that anybody told me because I did not want to go back to where I was. And I think we get to those points in our life and that can be right. And that's where the that coaching of whether it's getting sober, going through a divorce, you know, getting a new job, being a single mom, being a mom, period, like those things, right? And so it's like, I don't really like the idea of trying that, but right now I have that gift of desperation that I'm willing to do whatever in order to feel better. And and, and do whatever healthy thing, let me be clear about that. (laughs) Do whatever to feel better, you know, because we can all find those things that make us feel better that aren't necessarily the yeah. Right. I think that's what it comes down to. I, and I think that that's true. I, I've, I've seen that. That's been my experience, particularly in the hospital, that until that patient, mm-hmm. and it was true of you and true of me, that you, you mm-hmm. definitely, you have to get to that point to where you are willing to listen, willing to listen, mm-hmm. and then, mm-hmm. and then take that next step and act. And that was this guy's point in this podcast was 
uh, that the the ninety five percent have that knowledge, but the other five percent, for whatever reason, said, uh, "I want to lose weight. I want to get into shape. I'm training for something, and and I am willing to listen to somebody that has experience and then execute what they just said and do it, and then get into that that five percent because the people that get into long term recovery do that not not just know it but they do yeah. it they actually if yeah, i want to lose right. weight if i want to lose weight i've got to change my diet i've got to exercise i got to hydrate i got to sleep i got i can't just talk about it i have to right. do it I have to do <laughs> there's it there's no shortcut right and i think some people like we're looking for the shortcuts or we're looking to blame somebody else well i'm too busy or oh well you know if this person didn't do that to me well then i wouldn't be in this situation it's like you know what sometimes life sucks so pick yourself up Get, you know what i mean like mm-hmm. make a decision and change that's and it. do it. Like, cause again, we're 100% responsible, right? Like I am responsible. If somebody's treating me shitty, it is up to me and whether or not I want to stay or go. That's you it. give them permission to treat you it's, that way. <laughs> you give them yeah, the permission right? to by treat you saying, that way. Well, by saying, right. By yeah. saying you give them the, that permission, you're allowing it. Right. But, but getting up and leaving or like leaving. And I get it. Like sometimes it's hard, you know, the example you said about being a single mom in a government job and, you know, maybe you don't have the ability to leave and do something else. Like sometimes there's, you know, situations and circumstances that don't, but, at the end of the day, and then we can change our mindset, right? Then it's, and, and that's what yeah. this woman I worked with was so powerful. Cause I remember I was like pinching pennies when I first left and I'm like, mm. I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know. I'm paying my, you know, I'm paying my child school and I'm paying my rent and I'm paying all this stuff. Like fuck, this sucks. And she looked at me and she goes, okay, do you have the money? I said, yes. And she goes, then write that check with gratitude every day. Because mm-hmm. if you didn't, it would be a different story. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So sometimes it's just simply about reframing it. Like, as I send that check, you know, it's like, do I want to? No, I'd love to have that money for something else. But at the end of the day, I'm so grateful that I do to put a roof over the, you know, my child's head. Like, that's it. And sometimes it is that simple as just reframing that inner mind to shift to how we feel to kind of inform the rest of our day. I mean, it really is that simple, but people are so, you know, there are a lot of people who are unwilling to even say that. Gratitude is so powerful. So powerful. Oh, it is. It is. And I think that's a, it's a great way to look at it. It is. And, and I think the part of it too, is that we, like going back to the example with the, you know, you feel like you're stuck in a government job and you're a single mom or you think, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes Mm -hmm. that, um, where people get really wrapped up in it, one, being grateful that you have that job because a lot of people don't have that kind of security. And then also realizing that our whole focus, focus becomes our job. And I think, and you know, better than I do in, in coaching is I think, sometimes just realizing, Hey, this is, I'm grateful to have this job, but I have other interests. I think, cause the problem is if you yeah. look at like, Oh my God, I'm locked yeah. in this job and I hate it. And that's all you think about is you get up every day and you think about this job. I think with somebody like that, I would be asking them, but what are your other interests? Do you have hobbies or do you have, um, you know, do you, what other goals do you have? Cause that's something I did in, yeah. in recovery was I started getting into other things. You know, I, uh, when I first got into recovery, I got back into diet and exercise and set goals, whether it was a race or some big for me, you know, <laughs> big and happy. we yeah. don't do, we don't do anything half-assed. Right. So, you know, I started making yeah. not just plans, but big plans. Like I did a 50 mile race and, you know, cause go big, right. Go bigger, go home. But you know what it did? It was, it gave me goals in my life, big goals in my life that were not my job. Uh, and so I had other things. I wasn't just, when I got up in the morning, you know, I found that uh, the first thing I would think about wasn't just this another day at work, but, Oh, I got to do this kind of training. I've got to do that training. I had, I had things that took me mentally away from me job from my job so i had other things to focus on than being unhappy if that makes sense yeah 
well, and it's also just reframing it as like, oh, I have to do this. Or I get to do this. Yeah. I should do this. Yep, no, yep. I want to do this. Yep. Right? It is literally those little changes that will impact everything. Like now I notice how much I say should. When we put say should, we're automatically shaming and making ourselves wrong. Oh, I, like I should that. get up and work out, but I want to sit here instead. So I'm making myself wrong versus I want to sit here for 10 more minutes before I get up to work out. Or I want to sit here all day. I don't <laughs> want to work out at all. We're taking the power back. It, we're making that choice. You know what? It, versus like I should, we're telling ourselves we're wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, now for your business. So tell us about uh, how, do, how, do, how would somebody get hold of you? And what, tell us a bit more about that. Cause I know that there's going to be people listening that want to contact you and, and work with you. So walk us through that process. Yes. I have on hillaryselps.com. This was one else. There's a coaching, excuse me, a coaching tab. And then, um, so there's a 12 week program called the right room. Um, and it's also kind of spelled out on there and it's where we focus, um, you know, three weeks on each, the emotional, physical, spiritual, and mental health. Um, and then there's kind of one off. So sometimes we don't, you know, sometimes we just need a month. Sometimes we maybe need two months, you know, sometimes we just need to check in call every now and then. And so I, that's also um, an option, but on the website under the coaching, there's a button that you can click for um, complimentary discovery call. And it's just a really beautiful conversation where we jump on a zoom for 30 minutes and kind of, you know, talk to you like, what are your, you know, what is it that you want? What are your goals? What are some things that, bring you to coaching and then we see from there if it's a good fit um because it's really a partnership it's yeah. not about me telling you what to do or got you know i mean you're the hero i'm just your guide right and so i want to make sure that you are getting the benefit that i'm able to help you and support you in the best way that i can um and sometimes it's not a good fit and that's okay and i have resources and i have other women i work with that i can guide you to or the, you know maybe it's really therapy that you want or need but um but I love just having those conversations to find out a little bit more about what it is that brings you to the call today and then make a plan on how we can work together moving forward. Oh, that's great. Now, is this just for women or could men call as well? Yeah, I mean, it's really focused on women. I do, have, you know, I am working with a man, a man now, um, but... It's primarily focused know. on women. Sign up my, it, it, I'll work with you. If you want to do what now? Oh, yeah. It's I was just teasing. I said, I said, if you want to sign up for coaching, I'll work with you. Uh, that's why I asked. Joke. That's why I it's asked. I'm like, joke. wait a minute. If I called Hillary, would, uh, yeah, because uh, I, I could of definitely use I that work. No, I, and I, th I think that's fantastic. And it's a 12-week program, correct? Yes. So the Right Room is a 12-week program. Um, and it's a, a once-weekly Zoom call. It's for one hour. And then it's that high-touch um personal contact and connection in between calls. So it's constant, um, you know, because sometimes when you're working through things, just like in recovery, things come up and you're like, wait a second. Yeah. Or you're in a situation like, I don't know what to think about it. It's like sometimes you just need another person to kind of walk you through it and say like, okay, how do you feel? Let's focus on this. What do you think? Okay. Let's, and then it, you just need a little touch point every now and then. And so that's what the 12-week program offers. Um, and then the one-off coaching is kind of like those tune-ups. Maybe you just need to check in. Maybe you just need a little bit of accountability. Maybe you just need to develop a plan. And over the next four weeks, we'll develop that plan. And then, um, so it's a little bit, it's less kind of high touch. It's more of those tune-ups. Mm -hmm. um, but the 12-week program is really the um, kind of the keystone of the coaching platform. Well, I think it's a and good program. And we'll some other things moving. Thank you. 
because yeah, I, I will tell you that people, uh, when when Hillary and I were talking earlier about um, going to therapists, you know, and, and therapists are great. Mm-hmm. Don't don't get me wrong on that. And I think that um, sometimes that's necessary. But I am a big fan, and the longer I'm around this business and the longer uh, I'm in my own recovery, I think finding people that have personally had experience in this, like mm-hmm. like Hillary has, is the best option. I, I really do. And when you get into recovery, particularly when it comes to recovery matters, being with someone that has walked mm-hmm. that walk, not just the training, the professional training, but has walked that walk is so powerful. I hear that from patients all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, they, uh, they, they tell me, they go, you know, I, I, They'll say, "We, I know you know what you're talking about because you've been there." Because I do disclose to, mm-hmm. to patients that uh, in my own journey, and and it's just it's just mm-hmm. amazing how much they 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 pay real close attention to what you have to say, and I think that that's that's yeah. a fantastic thing. Thank you. You know, all those things I've walked through in recovery, mm-hmm. you know, and so I think that yeah, exactly, it becomes experiential versus hypothetical. So it's HillaryPhelps.com. Exactly. Like- Is that right? Mm-hmm. HillaryPhelps.com, right. mm-hmm. and that's one L in in Hillary, and then P H E L P S HillaryPhelps.com, and uh, the yeah. Right Room, man, fantastic, that's it. <laughs> fantastic journey. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always great to talk to you, and I'm glad we were able to reconnect. And I, yeah, look forward to sitting down and hearing more about what you're doing and connecting more soon. This is great. Thank you. Oh, you don't want to hear about what I'm doing. That would probably make you go out and seek a therapist <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you did that. No, but it's so great to have you. HillaryPhelps.com. So Hillary Phelps, Right Room. You guys, please check that out because recovery is possible. You can do it. I know that you can. You just kind of have to do what we talked about, and that is reach out. Have that gift of desperation. Reach out. Get help because there is help out there. And uh, please, please do that, guys. Because, you know, when I when I look out across the land and I see so many people suffering, um, it's it, it doesn't have to be that way. Life can get better. Recovery is possible. We just have to be willing to listen, uh, take that action, and go out and utilize the resources that we have. And so with that, guys, we will talk to you next week. And take care. This episode of Recovery is Possible is brought to you by Retreat Behavioral Health, where there are endless possibilities for recovery. Retreat provides quality care at their leading mental health and substance use treatment centers, which are designed to offer patients truly personalized and comprehensive programs that are tailored to their needs. Retreat substance use and mental health treatment centers in Palm Beach County, Florida, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and New Haven, Connecticut do everything in their power to ensure that patients receive the highest quality treatment in a safe and comfortable setting. So reach out today at RetreatBehaviorHealth.com or call at 855-802-6600 for more information.